Welcome to this week's edition of the Sportsaholics Podcast. I'm Sean Conway, and as always, on the other end of the line would be Max Zucker. Max has been another great week of uh, of cooking food here in the Conway house. We had a our Christmas day on on Sunday here because Lindsay and I are traveling down to Texas. Oh, that's right. To her that's mom's right. house for Christmas this year, so we uh, we had Christmas here early. We exchanged gifts, and uh, Lindsay actually she got me a new Irish uh, Aaron sweater. Well, that was pretty cool. Very nice. On Sunday, actually, you know, it was just a really, it was an Irish day for, for our Christmas celebration. We watched um, in the morning the the uh, All-Ireland Hurling Final between my uh, my ancestral hometown of Limerick and Waterford with Limerick coming out nice. on top. So that was pretty awesome. And then uh, later in the evening, we made uh, this dish that I tried to emulate that I of a dish that I had when I was in Ireland. It was at Gus O'Connor's Pub. In Duel, and that's right off the cliffs of Moor, on the uh, on the west coasts there, but it was a Guinness and honey duck that they, that I had there. Mm. So I did the kind of like a beer can chicken style cooking of this whole duck with a can of Guinness shoved up its up its arse, <laughs> and uh, and then I, when I basted it, I used a little bit of the Guinness and a little bit of the turkey juice mixed in with honey, and I basted it. And then I put it in to uh, to kind of broil for the last, the last you know fifteen minutes. A nice little browning on, on the uh, outside of it. And we made these uh, Irish stacked potatoes. It's kind of like um, oh gratin potatoes, but stacked like in the little like little towers. Absolutely Sounds fantastic delicious. dinner that night. Sounds divine. Yeah, it was really cool. Outside of the Ireland All Hurling Final that was this past Sunday. Looking forward uh, to other. You know, action throughout the Gaelic Athletic Association this Saturday, the uh, is the All Ireland football uh, final, which is between Dublin, who has won the last five, and Mayo, which is actually going after their first Sam McGuire Cup since 1951. And believe it or not, the Chicago landmark, the, the uh, Prudential Building, lit up its lights in support of oh, Mayo, nice. saying "Mayo for Sam." Uh, and you can see that in, in uh, the Chicago night sky earlier this week in preparations for the All-Ireland football final this coming Saturday. So that should be pretty fun. Maybe I'll look into uh, trying to get a hold of watching that as well if I can. Maybe not. I'll watch the highlights afterwards as well. But Max, what have you been watching this well, week? Something, well, that does sound really cool, uh, Sean, by the way. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, obviously Chicago, big Irish population. So I'm glad that we're showing some type of support. Uh, something we totally blanked on last show, the MLS Cup Final. We completely, completely, totally forgot about it. However, since there wasn't actually that many great college football games, I actually tuned in and watched the first 80 minutes, and then the game got pretty boring. Uh, the Columbus crew, though, they are the champions. They take down uh, the Seattle Sounders, who were the defending champs. They won 3 to nothing. Columbus, only 35% of the possession time, but they made the most when they had the ball, Sean. And especially Lucas Zellerayan, the MVP of the Cup. Two goals and an assist on the day. So, man, what a great performance from the, uh, from the young star. Again, their last Cup victory was back in 2008. One quick point on this Sean before we get into bids and snubs three years ago the Columbus crew they almost moved the team to Austin their fans uh, used the hashtag save the crew uh, slogan and they got people and businesses to invest 
And with those investments, you look what happens just three years later as they have won now their second MLS Cup in franchise history. Second round of the Bitten Snubs NFL bracket. This week we've got a pretty tough matchup, I would say, again. But uh, I'll go first with my guy on the side of the argument. We have Matt Forte and Darren Sproles going at it in the bid side of the bracket today. Matt Forte, obviously the running back of 10 years in the NFL, eight of those coming with the Chicago Bears. So we try to stay away from like the typical stats we find on football on pro football reference just you know to give his career stats in the second round, right? So this is kind of where he stacks up all time, I would say in comparison to the rest of the history of the league. He's 33rd all-time in rushing yards, just shy of 9800 yards total, 9796 yards rushing. And if you combine it with his all-purpose yards, he's 45th all-time with 14,468 yards, which actually is one spot and 13 yards ahead of Devin Hester, who we have all argued that we believe should be in the Hall of Fame. He's also in this bracket, and I believe he's he's um, he's still in this bracket, right? If I'm not mistaken. So yes, yeah, so so we will. Um, Hester, yes. Well, he's one of three the players side, to achieve yes. the 1,000-yard, 100-catch season, which he did in 2014, the other two being Christian McCaffrey, who we'll hear more about later in the show. He did that in 2018. And then LaDainian Tomlinson, who did it in 20, excuse me, in 2003. I, uh, I think Forte would have a, hard, uh, a stronger argument in this kind of, an, uh, of a di- discussion here. But I think having the consistent lack of an offensive line in those eight years with the Bears kind of hindered the numbers that you really could have achieved somewhere else if he had a team with a line. I think he could have had astronomically different numbers if he spent the bulk of his career somewhere else. And for that reason, I think it's going to be pretty easy for you to convince me Darren Sproles moves on here. Yeah, it should be. Once I give you some more information, however, I think you made a valid point. Uh, nothing against Forte. Great player. Just uh, suffered from being part of all those bad Bears teams. Only made the playoffs in one of those eight years. And then he goes to the Jets for his fin- uh, final two seasons, where obviously they weren't Jack SHA. You can feel in the rest. Um, but yeah, Sproles, I think, will blow this away here, Sean. Three-time Pro Bowler, one-time Super Bowl champ. He set the uh, NFL all-purpose yards record for a single season back in 2011 with 2,696 yards. And he's sixth all-time in that category with just north of 19,000 all-purpose yards. He's the only player in NFL history, Sean, with 30 reception touchdowns, 20 rushing touchdowns, and uh, multiple kick and punt returns for a touchdown. Sproles, too, has got a 4.9 average on his carries, which is 15th best among running backs with a minimum of 500 attempts. And I think this will kind of be my kill point here, kind of how you were comparing a few things to Devin Hester. Let me talk, go in a little bit more about Sproles here. Sproles, over 11,000 total return yards, seventh all-time. His nine career returns uh, for a touchdown is six all-time. However, he had 8,302 yards as a, as a rusher and as a receiver. Devin Hester had less than 3,500, 
total yards in in uh, that combined care, uh, category. And another guy that he's compared to is Brian Mitchell. Brian Mitchell had just north of 4,300 uh, rushing and receiving yards combined. So the fact that uh, Sproles has over 8,000, it just shows that what all around his greatness. He could truly run the football, again, at 4.9 yards a clip. He could receive the football, and obviously he's in the top six greatest return men of all time. I rest my case on Foles. I just think that's enough to set him up for a Final Four matchup. You know, I'm not going to argue there. I do believe where Darren Sproles finished his career and what he did with his Numbers, granted where he was in a position, definitely finished in a higher category than what Matt Forte did. For that reason, I think Sproles will move on here. Let's move on to Snubs, where we have another decent matchup. Yes. I got Leroy Butler, while Max will argue for Randy Gratishar. I'll go first. The strong safety who spent his entire 12-year career with the Packers and is credited with inventing the Lambo Leap, definitely left yes. his mark on Packers history and, you know, fan lore as well. Four-time Pro Bowler in those 12 years. He was a four-time first-team All-Pro as well. He was a member of that, that team that won Super Bowl 31 with the Packers against the Patriots. And during his 12 seasons with the Packers, he recorded 953 tackles, 38 interceptions, 553 return yards, 12 fumble recoveries, three touchdowns on defensively, and 20 and a half sacks. He led or tied the league, or the team, I mean, team lead interceptions in five different seasons. He was the first defensive back in NFL history to gain entrance in the 20-sack, 20-interception club. And on January 2nd, 2020 of this year, he was announced as one of the Modern Aaron finalists for the actual 2020 class of the Hall of Fame. It was his first time being named as a finalist. He joined 14 other Modern Era finalists for that 2020 class. I think he will remain in the conversation here. Um, I'm not sure if he will actually make the actual Hall of Fame. He definitely is going to be the Packers Hall of Fame or the Packers Ring of Honor, whatever they want to call. I think just being credited with inventing the Lambo Leap is enough to do that in, in general. Just how big that you know celebration is ingrained in their culture now. So I think for this reason... He would move on if this was a Packers Hall of Fame discussion, but let's hear why Randy Gratishar might have the edge here. Yeah, uh, I do think, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, Butler, great career. Um, I, I absolutely, sh- the fact that it took 14 years from his retirement to even get uh, some type of consideration for the Hall of Fame is absolutely disgusting. But this is a guy who I mentioned before, now Sean has been snubbed 30 six years and when i give these stats out you're going to be like how the hell is this guy not in the hall of fame um you're coming out of ohio state in 1974 is the 14th overall pick gratishar would have 2049 unofficial tackles and i mentioned this last time i talked about him that would only be 10 less than ray lewis and would put him at obviously second place all time um, he's one of 10 linebackers in NFL history with 20 interceptions, 10-plus uh, fumble recoveries, and 7-plus Pro Bowl appearances, including six of those Pro Bowl appearances. He was an All-Pro. The other uh, members on that list would be Ray Lewis, Joe Schmidt, 
Jack Lambert, Brian Erlacher, Willie Lanier, Ted Hendricks, Jack Ham, Dick Buckus, and uh, Chuck, Bar- uh, ben, uh, uh, Chuck Bednarik. Uh, eight of those guys were on the NFL All uh, NFL's 100 Anno team, and the uh, six of them were first ballot Hall of Famers. With the other three getting uh, within the you know three years of being on the ballot, while Gratisher again has had to suffer for 36 yard, uh, years. Gratisher never missed a game in his entire 10 years in the NFL. Uh, part of that, of course, Orange Crush defense and took De- which took Denver to its first Super Bowl appearance in 1977. And in 1978, he'd be the Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, this guy just has all the credentials. Just all the credentials. And if those uh, tackles wouldn't have been official, no, we wouldn't be having this conversation today, Sean. I just go, without a doubt, this is, to me, the most snub player probably in NFL history. You know what? I, I honestly, I cannot argue with that. So, for that reason, Randy Gratishar will move on this weekend, or this week's matchup, as well as Darren Sproles. That'll do it for this round of bids and snubs. On the flip side of this, we got more NFL Include Super Bowl preview matchup. You're listening to the Sportaholics podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. Taking us to break is DJ Cummerbund with his old tune, Let It Snow, featuring DMX, Corey Taylor, and Macho Man, Randy Savage. frightful but the fire is so delightful and since we no place to go let it snow let it snow let it snow if i'm gonna rob i'm gonna rob all night if i'm looking for something it's probably a fight if i'm going for bitches then they better be tight if that's dead then the head better be right when we finally kiss goodnight i will hate going out in the storm but if you really hold me tight then all the way home i'll be warm Cause the rats is real On the fuck that we fuck Already know the deal But as long as you love me so Let it snow Let it snow I love my Get down For the whole My guilt And my shame And always tell me short Always feel the same And my face And my soul Always my man thin, Always under control I'm the type of nigga That'll die for the cause Fuck what you heard I will die for my thoughts Ain't scared of shit We're riding the ball Later on in the hotel lobby My life is undone 
Let It Snow by DJ Cummerbund that featured DMX, Corey Taylor, and the one and only Randy Savage. Macho Randy, Man, you know yeah. Who it is. Anyways, going into this week, you know, one of the things I really thought was done right in the sports world this year was the bubble system. I think the bubble helped sports move on. The NBA did it right. The NHL did it right. They were able to control it. To a T, for the most part. They had very minimal, you know, interference with the coronavirus to complete their playoffs. The MLB, they adjusted their schedule, albeit they had 60 games and they didn't play the same teams that they were used to playing. However, they contained it to a region so they can have easy travel without having to really worry too much. So they maintained it for the most part with a handful of outbreaks. I feel like the NFL has just been fumble after fumble after fumble. And for a sport that does not like to turn it over, yeah, they've been fumbling a lot this year. And one of the, the most recent fumbles, in my opinion, has been the announcement to not have a mandatory playoff bubble. And that is even, like, to, like, you know, a, a quasi-playoff bubble where instead of having, like, you know, one or two, qua- uh, you know, bubble cities – or sites for it, they would have like a bubble where the team has to stay, the team and staff have to stay in a hotel. The, the NFL released a, a statement on uh, to a league clubs on Tuesday saying that that was going to, be, they can have that as an option, but it's not going to be mandatory. There will be no, this is what the, the, the report said, there will be no postseason bubbles for NFL teams. The NFL informed the league clubs on Tuesday night that teams cannot require players and staff to stay at a hotel during the playoffs other than prior to the night before a game, which in my opinion is just, I feel we're going to get some cancellations or a Wednesday night playoff game, which is just, then they're going to have to push back that next, that next round for the winning team to play a Tuesday night. And that's not fair to the other team who followed protocol a little bit better. You know what my opinion is? And I think that is I don't think it's right. What 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 is your take on that, Max? Well, I think you're absolutely right for the fact that like when you have all sports, whether if it's the MLS, Major League Baseball, NBA, when every team has to follow the same set of protocols, you're on an even keel, right? So just like this year, let's just say the Chiefs and the Steelers, the Chiefs are following the protocols, and the Steelers say. Ah, screw it. We're gonna go out. We're gonna have a, you know, a, a whatever, a couple cocktails or something, whatever. Go somewhere, and exactly, they contain this, and then what? Exactly, the NFL is gonna push back a playoff game a week or something, and what? We're gonna push them to the Super Bowl back a couple weeks, two, three weeks. No, I. I this makes no sense. This is the NFL, Sean, doing what the NFL wants. They they do what they please year in and year out and could give a rat's ass. Uh, they know they're going to get the viewership 
and that's all that that matters to the NFL is that they are still going to be the most popular sport and bring in the top generated money in year in and year out, and they don't care if they do it ethically or unethically. It does make me sick. I hope for the best for the playoffs because so far the NFL has been somewhat of a joy to watch this year, maybe minus being in Chicago, but overall it's been a nice privilege to watch. And yes, I would like that same privilege as an NFL fan to have a clean uh, uh, playoffs where everyone's following the same protocols. I agree. And what are you talking about with Chicago, man? If the Giants had won this last weekend, we would have been the playoffs, man. <laughs> Ooh, and that would have really been upsetting. Actually, yeah. come to think of it, I don't even want to talk about it. We're going to move on there. Yeah, please. So, a <laughs> little bit of injury update. Someone who's also not having a great season. Not so much the team. The team's having an okay season. It's about, about as meh as the Bears have been having. The Panthers, I'm saying. But their star running back, Christian McCaffrey, is expected to not play yet again this weekend. This Saturday, I believe, is when the Panthers are playing the Packers. Quad injury this time, which would mark the 11th game that the star running back has missed this wow. year for the Carolina Panthers. They're definitely missing him on offense, and you just got to feel for him. It's just one thing after another with him really this season, and uh, I, I hope he can really pull it through because he's just a definitely, like we were saying earlier, had that 1,000-yard rushing 100-catch season uh, Mark was the third player to do that in NFL history. And honestly, you want to see more of that. So hopefully he can get over the, this little injury bug that's been holding him down this year and in the past couple seasons so he can, you know, have a resurgence. Oh, absolutely, Sean, because when he's on the field, he is exactly one of the most explosive, one of the most fun players to watch. Uh, if you're Carolina, though, you're 4-9. and nine. You might as well at this point just shut him down. For the rest of the years, your playoff hopes are pretty much uh, shot. So I'd like to see them shut him down now at this point completely. Have him get uh, uh, ready for Matt Rule and his offense for year number two. Uh, speaking of the same division, Drew Brees, uh, he can return to practice, but he has still got a journey ahead of him, obviously, as he's been recovering from 11 fractured ribs and a punctured uh, lung. Sean Payton had this to say. He's got a ways to go uh, still, and he is someone we're not going to hurry back and just put him in the game, which makes complete sense. You only got a couple games to go. If you want to have any chance for him uh, for the playoffs, you might as well keep him on the bench from now. And the guy who's replaced him, Sean, hasn't been too bad. He's got a record of... Four and one or three and one since he's taken over for Drew Brees, and that'd be Taysom Hill. Last week he completed seventy-three percent of his passes for two hundred and ninety-one yards, two touchdowns, and a score, had thirty-three yards on the ground. I really like uh what I've seen from Taysom from Taysom Hill overall. Um the question is can he do it against this, you know, superstar Chiefs team? Can he generate another uh win for the Saints? I think it's going to be a pretty tough task against that Saints defense, don't you think? I I agree with you. Right now the Saints are coming off their first loss in 9 games and they've been just defensively struggling. Believe it or not, it's not Taysom Hill that's been what's struggling for the Saints. It's been their defense and coming in against the defending Super Bowl champions who have just been absolutely as close as you can get to flawless with having a loss on your record. And honestly, it's going to be 
very tough for the Saints. And I, I have a few matchups that are going to be key to see how this is going to be, uh, you know, playing out on this weekend. So the game is, what is it, Saturday this week, or is this a Sunday game? This is a Sunday 325 game, Sean. Okay, so Sunday. This Sunday, three key matchups in this one. Obviously, Taysom Hill is going to be the inferior Hill on the field that uh, day, and that's going to be obviously up to Tyreek Hill. And if he can be continue to be one of the top targets, I mean, and he really has been one of the top targets. 14 receiving touchdowns and 1,158 yards Oof. in receiving. He's been one of the number one receivers for his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who's had 33 touchdowns. 14 of those going to Tyreek Hill. So, depending on how Marshawn Lattimore pairs up with him, Lattimore needs to step it up if he intends to slow down the Chiefs' offense because if they can't get to Tyreek Hill, I mean, it's going to be bad news for the Saints. Excuse me there. Yeah. I thought I had a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore didn't have a great game in, in, in this, this last week. I think that the Saints really need to have them shut down Tyreek Hill. But another big shutdown that needs to happen would be Malcolm Jenkins taking on Travis Kelsey. Yes. Travis Kelsey is absolutely tearing it up. He's 128 yards shy of breaking George Kittle's record for receiving yards in a single season by a tight end. So he should be able and to accomplish that by the end of the so season. So he should be able to accomplish that this season. I mean, he could do it in one game if he just absolutely went off. But I'm not exactly saying that's going to happen. Malcolm Jenkins will have a little bit of help with C.D. Deuce also probably doubling up on Kelsey. But C.D. Deuce kind of whimpers when he's outsized. I don't mean to say that in a uh, in a in a mean way, but it's just it, it's stats. He does not perform when his opponent is significantly bigger than him. And Travis Kelsey. Absolutely towersome. So yeah. if Malcolm can't shut him down, the Saints are going to have to rely on the Blitz. If they have to rely on the Blitz, that means they're going to have to rely on the tandem between Cam Cam Cameron Jordan and Trey Hendrickson. And Cameron Jordan has a really good chance of absolutely tearing shit up this week because there's a good chance that Mitchell Schwartz is likely not going to be the starting left tackle, one of the most important positions on the offensive line meaning Yasir Durant might be the starting left tackle this week. If Cameron Jordan can manhandle him and cause a disturbance for Patrick Mahomes, it could be pretty bad. Cameron Jordan, 6.5 sacks this season. Trey Henderson, 10.5 sacks this Ooh. season. The two combining for, what's that, 17? Is that, yeah, that's 17. Right there. yeah, 17 sacks. Absolutely insane. I think that they have a good chance. Depends on who shows up defensively for the Saints this week. And, Max, I want to hear what your takes are on this week. Yeah, like I was saying, I, if, if, I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be able to uh, play against uh, or uh, against that Chiefs defense that uh, effectively. And like I was saying, I really think it's going to be that uh, Saints defense that takes it against Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes, though, 33 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. If he's not running for away with the MVP, he's second behind Aaron Rodgers this year. You were talking about the tackle position with Kansas City. It's also apparent that Eric Fisher is questionable for the game. I don't know. I mean, that could really then throw off that offensive line. And like you were saying with that uh, with that duo up up front for the Saints, that could just create havoc. 
it's you know it's going to be quite the game. Can Taysom Hill again get the you know drive the ball down the field effectively enough? I'm going to say the Saints just falls short in this game. Yeah, I'm, you know I don't see the Saints holding up. I think that kind of got the wind left out of them after the after the uh, the loss this, uh, uh, their last game. So honestly, I think the Chiefs have the advantage here, and there's a lot less work the Chiefs have to do to win this game, and a lot more work. The Saints perfectly have to put come out victorious. Perfectly so I will put. agree with you there. And we're going to take another break here on the Sportsaholics podcast. On the flip side of this, we're going to wrap up the regular season for college football. Oh wow! We got conference championship weekend, Max. Yes. I know it's been a bad college football season, but Terrible. I'm excited. We got some good football coming up. You listen to the Sportsaholics podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. We here on the Sportsaholics podcast recognize those who have unique disabilities. One fun and fantastic way to showcase those talents is by joining your local Special Olympics squad. Through Special Olympics, you will learn to be part of a team, add additional skill sets, learn the true definition of sportsmanship, and most importantly, have some fun. So become an athlete, become a coach, become a volunteer, be part of Special Olympics. Max, it was somewhat of a wild weekend in college football. I mean... Not much changed in the top five. The top five actually remained unchanged entirely. But Florida no longer in the top six after a very controversial ending to the Florida LSU game. Iowa State replacing them in the number six spot in the top six for the college football playoff ranking. And Max, before we get into talking about conference football, conference championship weekend, I should say, I want to talk about this. Yes, way, please. Let's get it. Way terrible ending to your playoff contention for the season. So, the game is tied 34 34 late in the fourth quarter, and an LSU player lost his shoe. And I don't remember what player it was on the Florida team, but they were getting into it, and they picked up his shoe and they tossed it 25 yards <laughs> down the field. Well,. That helped the uh, Tigers pick up a first down after the unsportsmanlike conduct. And that would end up in the Tigers getting a field goal. And it was actually a pretty long field goal in the fog. Real epic looking SEC battle. I mean, yes, definitely yes. what you want to see late in the year. Anyways, so LSU held, held a late 37-34 lead. Florida got the ball back. They were able to drive the ball far enough downfield. And keep in mind, Kyle Trask had three picks in this game. So he was really struggling throughout this season. He was putting up numbers comparable to Joe Burrow's Heisman year last season. And then he had this game against his former team. And kind of ended that, in my opinion. Anyway, they got close enough for field goal range. And they missed the field goal. And Florida drops out of playoff contention tallying their second loss on the season. Max, you have more to add. Well, that's bad for Florida, like you said, and especially for this conference championship with Sean Conway. We'll preview, the, of course, the SEC championship because this does. It gives Florida a, a two-loss team. It just doesn't. This is going to be a – again, it's been a weird year. It hasn't been great. So do I really care who makes the college Final Four? Not as heavily as I would. 
in years past. But, I mean, again, like, you really want an ISU team or a Florida team, too, that has two losses. This only makes, this only honestly paves the way, Sean, for a team that I mentioned last week who's uh, named Cincinnati, who's 8 0. Depending on how conference championships go, they actually may be able to find themselves uh, a bit, again, depending how this championship weekend goes. Uh, but yeah, that was one of the most boneheaded plays I have ever seen. Like you are still very much in the mix to get into the college football playoffs. I can't believe uh, the Florida player would do such a thing. And Kirby Smart, uh, you know, uh, the head coach of Georgia, he looked to um, recruit the kid at one point, and he said, uh, "quote unquote," hopefully he learns from the mistake that some teams can as well because no coach wants to see a game decided by things like that and that ends the quote and you know Kirby smart pretty smart guy great coach knows what he's talking about and again kid you just can't piss a game away I don't care if you're five and four entering the game or if you are right seven and one or eight and one at the time with your playoff hopes on the uh, on the line that's just not professional and that's just not the way you should be doing business but like I was saying Sean Conway you got the SEC champion take us away what should we look forward to between alabama and florida well like we were talking about the playoff implications are essentially gone alabama could lose this game and they'll still be in the playoffs that's a guaranteed fact i'm saying that it very is. confidently yes no they alabama will be fan. however if you know florida were to win or to lose obviously they're not going to be making the playoffs anyway with two losses anyway so the playoff is gone. Heisman potential is still there. I feel like whoever wins this game might have the Heisman winner on their team. I'm going to go with the side I root for first, obviously, in this argument. I think two Heisman finalists that are, we're going to see this year are going to be quarterback Mac Jones and wide receiver Devontae Smith. Essentially, they could share the Heisman this year because the work they did together Agreed. made both of their seasons absolutely stellar. And also, I mean, I think running back Najee Harris, obviously he won't get a nomination, but I think he might be a little bit underrated on his effectiveness for that offense as well. However, I think if those two continue to do what they do, it's going to one of them, in my opinion. If if Kyle Trash can come in and he can unseat Alabama, he can throw for 400 yards, three-plus touchdowns, no interceptions, beat Alabama... He might be considered for for the the, uh, the the Heisman Trophy this year. I don't think we're gonna see it out of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. I don't think it, I think it's too small of a sample size for them to be awarded such a prestigious award on a less performance based schedule. I would say because they 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 simply they played less than those other two options. I think it coming down the the, the Heisman winner will come. From the SEC championship game. And I think that is a huge deciding factor. This game is a huge deciding factor on who votes for the Heisman. Which is actually, I believe, the voting ends this this Sunday, I want to say, or this this weekend. It's Saturday. I'm pretty sure it's Saturday. Saturday. And I I think you're right on the money with the with that Heisman talk. My my personal vote right now would be for Devontae Smith. 83 catches, over thirteen hundred yards and fifteen 
touchdowns, averaging 16 yards a catch. I mean, come on. <laughs> Anyways, Sick. let's finish up the preview real quick on the on the SEC championship game. I think Bama's offense will be able to pick apart Florida's secondary, which got burned by Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and LSU this past month. Yeah. Bama has quite possibly the greatest offensive line in the college football history of the NCAA and I, this season, and I think they'll certainly win in the trenches on that side. I think the first quarter as a Bama fan, I might have a few heart palpitations, but that's kind of how Bama likes to start. They like to give them a little taste, and then just completely squash all their hopes and dreams from the second quarter on. I think that's what we're going to see. I'm going to go ahead and guess 52-27 final. Wow, man. Yeah, I don't actually see them being the Big Ten Championship too much better. We got number 14, Northwestern, taking on number four, Ohio State. Uh, Northwestern, I mean, they're great defensively, only allowing 14.6 points on defense, which is second best in the country. Might be the best defense we've ever seen under head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Definitely uh, that linebacking core with Patty Fisher, who leads the team in tackles. Blake Gallagher's got 65 tackles, and Chris Bergen. These are great. These are three great linebackers uh, to watch out for in the game. In the secondary, they got Brandon Joseph, uh, the true freshman, who's tied right now with five interceptions, but that's for the most in all of college football right now. So defensively, this uh, uh, this Northwestern team is going to have to pay the way for the win versus Ohio State, who's averaging 532 yards per game, which is sixth best in the country. Justin Fields, who you were talking about not too long ago, completing 78% of his passes for 1,400 yards and a 15-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he's got five rushing touchdowns as well. The one guy that Fields will definitely look to in this game would be wide receiver Chris Olave who's got 36 catches for 528 yards and five touchdowns. However, I don't think, again, uh, that pretty solid uh, defense for Northwestern, I just don't think um, it's going to hold up. I think Ohio State gets the better of them. 37-13 to 13 is my prediction for the Big Ten Championship. Let's move on to the ACC, Sean. This has potential to be the most exciting college football game we have all season this is i mean if florida had had won against lsu and made a florida alabama sec championship that would have been like a playoff quarterfinal type matchup that we got to get, get to see before the playoffs started we didn't get to see that with florida alabama i think we, we're getting that though here with clemson notre dame and we get it how it should have been the first time that went around notre dame beat a trevor lawrence and clemson in overtime we're back up dj Uyangalele, I hope I didn't virtue the name. I think I said it right, yeah. actually. Still had yeah, a phenomenal performance. Good. I mean, he put up over 400 yards and had, I think, two touchdowns and no interceptions. This should be one of the most exciting games we see. And the Fighting Irish, I think they have the advantage on both the offensive and defensive line side. So they likely will win the trenches on both sides. The, the They have not really allowed uh, offensively many backfield plays against their opponents this year as well as having one of the top rush defenses in the nation, allowing less than 100 yards a game on the ground, excluding the unfocused game they had this past game against Syracuse, where they allowed 229 yards. Outside of that, they've had one of the toughest defenses. So if they could force it to be a down-the-field game, I think they might be able to just disrupt the uh, the game flow with Trevor Lawrence 
and the Clemson Tigers. The uh, Notre Dame pass defense can definitely shut down Clemson offense, even with Lawrence at the helm. If they can make the Tigers play at their pace, which they've been doing with all the teams they've played this year, it'll be another good game. With Clemson coming in, though, with less injuries and a little bit more to play for here, I, I would say, I think we should look for another overtime potential type of showdown. Ooh. I don't think I can even bring a prediction for the score one way or the other. I, I, I don't know who can win. This is going to overtime. I just go lose Notre Dame, as you well know. But it actually sets up a good question. If Notre Dame, who sits at 10-0, if they lose to Clemson, do they already got a win versus them? You know, how does that shake? I mean, are they still going to – as I agree with you, I think Bama, even if they lose this game, is definitely a top four. I wonder the same with uh, Notre Dame just because of their strength of schedule throughout the year. But, of course, Sean, you know, I hope the Personally, Fighting Irish think, go down. I think down. they're still in the playoffs. I think they, they get in front of Texas A&M. I think that it would go Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Bama I agree with that. In the, in the semifinal. And that's exact. And I think, right, I think if they were to lose, that's exactly the way they go because Ohio State, Clemson, that's going to be a big money game. Notre Dame, Alabama, that's going to be a huge money line type of game. So, yeah, I do think it would uh, pan out that way potentially. Again, maybe again, Texas A&M or Cincinnati, like I said, squeaks in, but doubtful at this point. All right, Big 12. This one doesn't have to me as much implication just because it's a bunch of two lost teams here. You got Iowa State taking on Oklahoma. They beat Iowa State beat Oklahoma 37 to 30 in week three. However, Oklahoma is six and zero since that loss. And Oklahoma is putting it up on offenses always year in and year out. They are a powerhouse on offense. Seventh in points for averaging 43 points a game. Eighth in passing yards at 327 yards a game. Obviously, Spencer Rattler, one of the uh, one of the young heirs of the Oklahoma quarterback uh, system, it seems like, completing over 68% of his passes for over 2,500 yards with a 24 to seven touchdown interception ratio. Uh, great player, but I'm going to be looking for the two running. I'm going to. I think this is going to be a really great running back game, Sean, versus a great quarterback game. You look at what we got for Oklahoma. You got T.J. Pledger, who's got 449 yards and five rushing touchdowns, and uh, Ramondre Stevenson leading the team with six rushing touchdowns and a 5.9 uh, yard. Uh, uh, per rushing clip so that will be fun of course then on the other side you got Brees Hall for Iowa State who still leads the FBS with over 1300 yards rushing he's averaging 6.1 yards per clip and uh, he's got 16 rushing touchdowns this season so it's uh, in fact he had a really good game against Oklahoma in week three, 139 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Other guy to watch would be Brock Purdy. I've mentioned him before on the podcast. Some people have had him as high as a potential first round draft pick. I still think he's more a second, third round guy, but uh, completing 66% of his passes with a 17 to six touchdown interception ratio and four rushing touchdowns. He'll be looking to get the ball. To his favorite target, Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver, has 612 yards, which leads the team. And he'll try to find Charlie Kohler, the tight end in the end zone, who's got a uh, team-leading five touchdowns. I like this game, Sean, in favor of Iowa State. 33-28 is my uh, prediction. 
And let's briefly mention here the Pac-12 champion. I just don't think it's going to be a great game, Sean. It is this Friday night on Fox at 7 o'clock. Oregon at number 13, USC. I don't really think this... I mean, if USC wins and goes 6-0, and maybe the college playoff gives them a quick look. But I think it's going to be a quick look, and they'll be in the Knicks pile. But let's take a quick break here, uh, Sean Conway. That was fun talking a lot of college football. In fact, later on in the show, Sean's going to have to do... have to guess my lies. We're going to play Two Truths and a Lie uh, coming up here relatively short but before we get to that we got some college basketball and some nba action that we must discuss here right on the sportsaholic podcast with max zucker and sean conway there are a few things max or i like more than tossing back a few beers and watching the game but don't worry if you happen to miss the game we've got your back tune into the sportsaholic podcast with myself max zucker alongside sean conway with new episodes available weekly on soundcloud Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with new shows and our occasional takes on things happening in the sports world throughout the week. Welcome back to the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean, we got a lot of basketball to talk about. Let's talk about college basketball. First, Keontae Johnson, man, thank God, after collapsing on the uh, floor for Florida the other day, he is making remarkable progress. He was able to talk with his family and doctors, which is a huge sign. He even, Sean, uh, FaceTimed the entire Florida Gators squad. Uh, So that is great news after what was such a scary incident to see that he's making pretty good progress. My heart just goes out for the young man. Yeah, you know, our, definitely sending our well wishes his way. And for an even speedier recovery, hopefully we can see him back on the floor because he was projected to be a top, you know, one of the top picks in this upcoming draft. Oh, right. The first rounder is what he was projected to be. You know, going from critical condition and, and partially, or no, at one point, induced into a, uh, into a coma, now up and talking. We hope he can continue his progress. We know that he did have COVID over the summer. But there's no way of telling what or the reason why it happened or if it was related to COVID or not. Don't want to speculate any further on that. So we're going to move on into our next bit of news. But we do wish Keontae Johnson and the Florida Gator family, at least their basketball fans, a uh, you know a good uh, you know well wishes their way i should say yeah well wishes which is well put sean conway and we also give good wishes to stanford head coach tara uh vanderveer who surpassed yes uh, the other day legendary coach pat summit for the most wins in division one uh women's uh basketball history she now owns 1099 career wins the stanford head coach and uh, Vander uh, Vanderveer had this to say: "It's been a great journey. I hope uh, Pat Summit is looking down and saying, good job, Tara. Keep it going. I love coaching against Pat, and we miss her. Obviously, Pat Summit uh, was the coach, the longtime coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. She passed away in 2016." Uh, when she was, it was uh, diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease. Uh, two infra- really great coaches, Sean, in the, of, of, I mean, the two greatest coaches in women's basketball history here. So congratulations again to Tara uh, Vanderveer because 
what an accomplishment that is. I didn't know anyone would be able to uh, eclipse Pat Summit's 1,098 career wins. Absolutely fantastic. She'll go for her, what is that, 1,100th win as they play on Saturday. Moving on, we've got a pretty yes, big matchup this week. A top five matchup in college basketball. That'd be the number three Iowa Hawkeyes taking on the Gonzaga Zags Saturday at 11 a.m. There are a lot of variables at play in this top five matchup, I should say. The Zags, they haven't really played since December 2nd, but the Hawkeyes haven't played a game outside of Iowa City all season. So both teams are undefeated in this potential Final Four preview. Yes. But, you know, i like to see Gonzaga pull off a close win here. And I'll tell you my one reason why. I do like them being the number one team, but they have a former Saluki guard <laughs> coming off their bench, and that'd be Aaron Cook. He's had seven points scored off the bench this season. Not many uh, opportunities to play for him since they haven't had all that many games played. But got to wish the best for him right now as he did part ways and had a medically redshirted season last year. Hopefully we can see some more action from Aaron Cook. We loved him here in Saluki country. And Saluki country is actually pretty hot right now after starting the season 4-0. and yeah, big win today. They defeated... North Dakota today. What was the final score in that one? I, I watched. It, I want to say it was eight, 85 60, to 70. 85, 64. 63. I want to say 64. it was. 64. Something, something along those lines. The dogs are killing it. We love to see it. Yes. Go dogs. Go dogs. Their year in the NBC. Marcus Damask and Ben Harvey, the greatest shooters in the valley. In the valley. <laughs> in the valley. <laughs> uh, sticking though real quick with our game of the week again, Sean. This has got big implications all around. Like you said, potentially even final four implications. Iowa, man, I know they haven't played as much, but they're averaging 100 points per game, which is the best in the country. They're averaging 24 assists per game, also best in the country. It's one of the best uh, coached, Programs under Fran McCaffrey is entering his 10th season as the Hawkeyes uh, men's basketball coach. Two guys to look out for, both their seniors, of course. Luke Garza, man, this kid's incredible. 29.2 points a game. That's second best in the country. He also leads the team in defensive rebounds and blocks. This kid, to me, Sean, is an early Wooden Award candidate without a doubt. And the other senior next to him, that senior guard, uh, Jordan Bohannon, this kid leads the team with 5.2 assists. Like I said, the 24 assists, the best in the country. So it'll be fun to see those two, what they can do on the court against the number one team in the country. I actually kind of like Iowa, though, in this game. I think I think they get the best against Zag uh, slightly, I guess. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, there's our matchup for this game of the week this week in College basketball, then we're going to switch things over to the professional side of things. The NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo making the money. I think I read somewhere he's going to be making like like $195 a minute per game. That's just astronomical. He got signed a five-year, $228 million extension to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks, showing that he wants to stay loyal with his city, claiming it as his home. And honestly, I think after a deal like this, 
He's going to show that he's worth that money. I think the Milwaukee Bucks might be the real deal this year. Might oh. give the Eastern Conference kind of their glory back. They better because this is right. This is the type of move that this franchise needed. I mean, everyone was worried about the Giannis leaving the Bucks. I think it's great that he is not chasing superstar teams and that he just wants to make his uh, life in Milwaukee of all places. Not too many players can say that. However, like you said, $228 million. That's the largest contract, Sean in NBA history that money always does speak so that's not like the Bucks are uh, you know uh, giving them the hometown di discount they are fully paying uh, the man and I I think it's a great move again for that city uh, going forward they need somebody uh, they need that hometown hero and Giannis is definitely uh, more than that real quick Giannis had this to say he said I just want to have kids being able to raise my kids and win a championship. After that, my life's complete. I can retire in five years. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> I think that's perfect. <laughs> Why would you retire in five years when you can keep playing at 40 plus million dollars a season? Keep going on, but Sean, I really do. Uh, I really, the fact is, since he's not coming to Chicago to the Bulls, I'm really glad that he's actually staying with the Bucks, even though they're in our uh, division. I. It doesn't matter to me. Um, it's just so much fun, again, to have such a smaller market uh, town be able to keep such a huge superstar. Awesome. Definitely awesome for, for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Something that's not so awesome and one of another superstars, Kyrie Irving, just yet again putting his foot in his mouth, trying too hard to sound like a super woke asshole. And that's what <laughs> he's done. Kyrie, the artiste, I should say. He, uh, he made statements earlier this offseason saying he wasn't going to talk to the media this season and then later went on to, you know, further go on with that saying that he doesn't waste his time speaking with pawns. He only, uh, you know, speaks with people who deserve their his attention. And obviously that was a dig at the media. But after the league didn't like that and fined him and the Nets $25,000, he kind of reversed course on his, on his tune there, saying that it wasn't supposed to be real hard to sound super woke again. He called himself an artist. He, he was like, you know, when artists such as myself have this sort of a platform, like, oh, shut up. You were, <laughs> you were just trying to talk trash about the media and then <coughs> got right. put in your place. You're not an artist, you're an athlete. There's a there's a kind of a difference. You do have a big platform, but you're not an artist, you're an athlete. I know when you make a sandwich at Subway, according to James Franco, that's art, but just because you can play basketball doesn't mean you're an artist, just like a lot of other things doesn't make you an athlete. You're an artist if you could go win a... Yeah, he's an artist. If you could go win a championship without LeBron James, then I might consider him a little bit more of an artist, Sean Conway. But Jesus, man. Uh, yeah, it kind of closed that's off quite, this wacky, quite the story, uh, to say the least. Man, though, we got basketball. In, uh, in, a, in a weird way, as we kind of inch into the beginning of the regular season, which kind of starts next week, right around Christmas time. So I figure we'd spend the rest of this basketball talks talking about you know, I said I think the Bucks might be their time to shine this year. Why don't you give me who you think will be a you know a championship contender, a team that will that will win it all? Will the Lakers do it, or give me something like that? Let's give us a Christmas a Christmas game you want to watch for. You know, to kick off the start yeah. of the NBA regular season that does start 
the Wednesday before, but kind of Christmas is the start of the year this year. Kind of how it usually is anyway every year to begin with. And let's go with a uh, close off on one team to look out for. Not a team who's going to win it all or even necessarily, you know, show themselves as a playoff contender. But show us a team who is going to surprise you on what they did this season and compared to what you thought they were before the season started. So let's start off with who do you think is going to win the championship? I got the Bucks. All right. Well, it's not a bad pick after they just signed Giannis. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm going to go with the Los Angeles <laughs> Rakers. Look, the NBA is rigged in my opinion. People still want to see LeBron James in the finals year in and year out. And speaking of LeBron James, this guy's not slowing down, even at age 36, man. 10.2 assists uh, last year, which led the NBA, and twenty five, and he was still scored 25.3 points a game. This guy's not slowing down. Anthony Davis is, is you know, a great number two with LeBron. I, I again, I, I could see the Lakers and Bucks. That's for sure. I mean, definitely both teams have uh, the talents to get that far. Uh, my sleeper this year, Sean, would be uh, the Suns. I do. I like the Suns. I like how they added CP3. That gives a great veteran to add with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Last year they were 34-39. and 39. They were the first team out of the bubble. I think that's enough motivation and getting a superstar like uh, CP3 to at least get them well, to the I, playoff level. Who do you like as your sleeper? They're going to surprise you. The Chicago Bulls are not going to be pushovers this season. Uh, you can laugh right now, but I, I, I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing in the preseason is a different team already under Billy Donovan. I think with with um, Laurie Markkinen, with Zach Levine, with Kobe White coming in, Patrick Williams is actually surprising. This is looking like a decent squad. I think they're going to... Not necessarily be playoff contenders, but I think every game is going to be a battle, win or lose, on that roster. I think they'll be able to be proud of the season that they put forward in Chicago this season. Um, outside of the sleepers, Christmas game to watch this year would definitely have to be <laughs> the Lakers versus the Mavericks. Obviously, we got two dynamic duos going head-to-head -head with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Going up against Luka Doncic, Doncic and Kristaps uh, Porzingis. I think that's going to be a great game to watch. I think also the Mavericks will be another team to keep your eye on this next season. They're definitely going to be one of those contending teams as well. Max, what you watching on Christmas? Well, I'm glad, you know, again, because uh, anyway, you shake it, like you were saying, for us, at least on the Sportsaholic podcast, kind of Christmas is our start to the basketball season. We don't necessarily pay as much attention of the games during October and November, but again, with the uh, coronavirus and all the league changes, we're not seeing it till the start, again, like you said, to the 20. 3rd of December, two days before Christmas. So yes, every year I do watch Christmas uh, basketball on Christmas. Let me flip-flop that. And I'm looking forward actually to the start of it. Uh, the 11 o'clock game, the tip-off, and that's the Pelicans and the Heat. I think it'll be fun to see how the Heat come back after losing in the NBA Finals uh, last year. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, 
you know, how Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler respond. And yeah, it's year three for Zion Williamson, baby. I'm excited for Zion. He's done with the rookie year, the sophomore, you know, and the sophomore stuff. We're done with those first two years. He knows how to handle the media no, now. No, rookie year. Let's... You only have one year. Uh, rookie... Uh, rookie year, right. That's right. Sorry, you're right. It's rookie year. coronavirus so, made it seem like two years. <laughs> it really has. No, it really, that, honestly, it really has. But that's what I'm saying. Then either then year two, I'm looking forward to him. He's such a young, incredible star. And just to get to watch him this year on Christmas, that that's, that's what's going to be uh, special for me. And actually, we won't have a show next week, Sean Conway. As you mentioned earlier, you're going down to Texas with Lindsay and... Uh, I'm going to be doing some stuff with my family as well, so it will. So this is kind of our little holiday preview or something to watch for and Christmas. Is again, we won't be podcasting next week, Sean. Though, let's take a quick break on uh, for right now. On the flip side of this break, I'll have my bowl game trivia for you, as I always do. We'll say goodbye to some of the bad bowl games that are leaving us, unfortunately. Sean, you'll have your drink of the week and some fight corner, and we'll get into what we miss. As we got a whole lot of that too, right here on the Sports Hog Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. The Sports Hogs team loves to enjoy a beer or two while watching the game, but we never get behind the wheel when we've had one too many. Call a cab, download a ride sharing app like Uber or Lyft, phone a friend, but never drink and drive. We here on the Sports Hogs Podcast encourage responsible drinking, but on the nights where you want to get a little irresponsible, have a plan to get home safe. You drink, you drive, you lose. We're back here on the Sportsaholic Podcast, Sean, for our final lap. And as promised, we got our bowl season. This is something that me and Sean love to do every year. We love talking about the bowls. Um, we'll make some bowl predictions maybe in a week or two, but or talk about it a little bit more. First, though, Sean, before we get to two truths and a lie, we have to say goodbye, of course, to the cancel bowl games. Either because of a uh, you know TV agreement or because of coronavirus this year, but we do we say goodbye to uh, the Red Box Bowl, the Bahamas Bowl, and Hawaii Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, Quick Lane Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl, Sun Bowl as well is gone as well, and the Frisco Bowl is will be uh, canceled as well due to the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. So damn it, that sucks. We don't like to see those bowl games go. But, Sean, let's get right to it. Two truths and a lie. You're calling me out on my bullshit. I'm going to give you three bowl games. You tell me which is the one that I created, which is the bullshit one. We got a, uh, uh, a lot to get through. Oh, and one last one, of course, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Yeah, that one has been canceled. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco. That is out, out, out. All right, let's get into this, Sean. Here's your first round. We have... Lending Tree Bowl, Guaranteed Rate Bowl, New American Funding Bowl. The New American Funding Bowl is the lie. That is the lie, sir. You are one for one. Good job. Round number two, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Heinz Mustard Bowl, Duke's Mayo Bowl. The Duke Mayo Bowl. Uh, no, my friend, that is a game we will be watching this year. That's the first stop. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heinz Mustard Bowl would be the, my bullshit for you today, Sean Conway. We will see the Duke's Mail Bowl. Uh, those games have yet to be determined or who's playing. All right, next round, we got uh, the Cure Bowl, the Chardonnay Bowl, 
the Camellia Bowl. Can you repeat those? Yes. Cure Bowl, Chardonnay Bowl, Camellia Bowl. The Camellia Bowl. No, once again, that will be a bowl that we will the watch. Chardonnay Bowl. Yeah, that's the Chardonnay Bowl. That would be your BS <laughs> one. Man. <laughs> All right, this one's also a really tough one that I came up with. I think, let's see if Sean can get this one. We have the Microsoft Outlook Applications Bowl, the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, or the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. The Microsoft Outlook Applications Bowl. Man, you did get me on that one. I thought you would have that one. We will not see that one, but we will see the Radiance Technology Independence Bowl and the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. I knew the Bowl. Independence Bowl and the... Um, Responder Bowl. Yeah, uh, what was what was the other one? Yeah, the, the Responder Bowl. Serve Pro. The First Responders. I knew those were two bowls. Okay, but good. Yes, yeah, so I always do those college bowls, so I was trying to listen for those, <laughs> but some of them can get tricky. It's always funny to do that. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, when you got the mustard and the mayo bowl, does it really matter? Exactly. Um, all right, last one, Sean Conway. You're two for, you're two out of four right now. You're at the fifty percent margin. Can you get yourself over the uh, much needed fifty percent to take this home this year? All right, we have the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Uh, honey, uh, Honeywell Home Las Vegas Bowl. Oh damn! I'm gonna go with the Las Vegas one. Yeah, that one will not be here. The Honeywell Home. I yes. actually just got a new Honeywell Home uh, air, you know, uh, heat and air conditioner monitor. So I'm like, hey, look at that. Okay. We'll just throw in. That. I just threw that in. I saw there was the Birmingham and the New Orleans Bowl. I figured I'd throw in a bullshit city and you know a BS clientele to represent that city this year. Good job, Sean Conway. Um, overall, you got a 60, percent which I think is about your record every year. <laughs> Right on pace. Yeah. Yeah. Even going back to college. Yeah. My education. I was pretty close to that as well. So, <laughs> so uh, that's good. Much of that would have to do with my drink of the week, which we're gonna a nice little segue there into yes. the drink of the week. Let's segment. get into it. Having a new one, I'm gonna do a blind taste test. I've Ooh. never had this beer. It's from my favorite brewery, obviously. Molly's Pint in Murfreesboro, yes. Illinois. I featured a similar, or not similar, but a similarly flavored beer from them not too long ago when I featured their Carolina Reaper Stout. And then I also even uh, mentioned my little black and tan, the, the Devil's Black and Tan, where I did with their with their Reaper Stout and their Jalapeno Ale. Well, now they have another spicy beer to add to their, uh, to their repertoire, Ooh. and that would be... The Belgian strong, Belgian golden strong, excuse me, with Carolina Reaper peppers. So oh. it's a strong Belgian blonde ale brewed with the Reaper peppers. And the way it's brewed, it takes a lot of the heat out. Much more taking of the heat out than the stout does. And let me do a little taste test real quick. It's 8% alcohol. And it's absolutely lovely. <laughs> oh my God. It's so you. You get the golden ale, the, the, the blonde ale type of flavor up front. And then it kind of like fizzles into a little peppery dance on your tongue. But it's not like too overpowering where you're going to start sweating from the heat because it's a Carolina Reaper. But it's 
it's definitely, definitely got an interesting flavor. I love this beard. I'm really glad I got a bigger growler. I was originally going to go with the 32-ounce growler, uh, yeah, but I ended up with the 64-ounce, yeah. so I'm definitely going to enjoy quite a handful more of these tonight. Max, what did we miss? Yeah, Sean Conway, first and foremost, as you know, I'm the uh, hot pepper extraordinaire. You've told me, again, I still got to try the Reaper Stout, and don't get me wrong, that sounds phenomenal. That still does, but man, I, I could only imagine uh, what this what this tastes like. That's got to be, be just pure bliss all around. Um, all right, let's get... the lips. It was like just ecstasy. Let's get into some quick hockey news. Uh, the Blues, Alexander Steen, he is going to retire... Uh, Due to a back injury, but obviously he was a great player, uh, spending um, the majority of his time with uh, the St. Louis Blues. In fact, 11 of his 15 seasons, he did win a Stanley Cup with the Blues, unfortunately, back in 2019. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I might have to throw that piece in there. But good luck to Alexander Steen going forward. He was a great uh, great player for a long time. Again, 15-plus years and the title run in St. Louis. Uh, other news. Man, this is not another veteran going down, essentially. That's uh, the Washington Capitals' Henrik Lundqvist. He's going to be out for the upcoming NHL season because of a heart condition, of all things. And I would think, Sean, mm. yeah, at this point, with Lundqvist's age and just being up there, I would think this would be... Maybe even the end. I'd rather have him play it on the safe side of things than, uh, you know, continue to play and, you know, get himself in uh, deeper trouble. Anytime you mention a heart condition, uh, you know, my, my heart freezes for you, essentially, for a second. Uh, last piece of news, and we didn't talk at all any Major League Baseball today, but the Indians, my friend, they have confirmed that they will no longer be in the Indians uh, they're not sure what name they're going to replace it with. It's spiders! Hey, you know what? Or the Naps. They were the Naps, the Spiders. They've had, again, they have options here. Um, it does make me wonder now with the change the, with the Indians. It does wonder for me, Sean, how much we're going to see more of our Chicago Blackhawks or if you're a Chiefs I don't fan. Think it, I don't think it's in the same conversation. We'll have a show coming up soon where we discuss in my, well, I guess... In our very caucastic opinions, um, that I don't think the Blackhawks are in the same realm of teams such as the Redskins or the Indians were. No, uh, yes. I, what else have we missed, Max? No, no. That's all I was gonna say. I don't. I, I just got a feeling with the times. I'm gonna just say the Hawks, the Chiefs, the Braves. That might be. I'm just saying those could be uh, following. Uh, you know, could be following. I'm not saying it is by any means, but I do have a feeling that those owners are gonna start taking a longer. Look, just because of the push right with the Redskins and now with the Indians. So, uh, Sean, go ahead. Take us into Fight Corner before I kind of wrap us up. We did miss one other thing. The MLB. No, that's what I want to kind of finish up on, Sean. This oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Let, I'll, I'll let you get to that. Then. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm you're trying good. to jump the gun there. Yeah. So, in Fight Corner, we got UFC Fight Night this Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. Steven Thompson and Jeff Neal. In the welterweight main event. Then we got Jose Aldo and Mar Marlon Vera in the bantamweight co-main event. Outside of the UFC. Well, kind of still in the UFC, but outside of the UFC because it's no one really cares. But for some reason, the internet cares. Jake <laughs> Paul is continuing 
to tr troll legit fighters oh online God. in hopes of getting a boxing match. He's trolling the likes of MMA stars Conor McGregor and his good buddy and teammate Dylan Dennis, who, honestly, either of those two would absolutely murder Jake Paul. Yes. He obviously won't listen to the Sportsaholics podcast, but <laughs> anyone who believes Jake Paul stands a snowball's chance in hell in a boxing ring against Conor McGregor or Dylan Dennis, he's absolutely, you're absolutely delusional. And outside of that, Dana White has responded to some of the the internet fl uh, flack that the UFC's been catching for not responding to Jake Paul. Dana White said he's, uh, you know, he'll consider letting Amanda Nunes knock his ass out. And that is all I'm going to say. That will end Fight Corner. Looking forward to next week. We have Christmas and a week off of the Sportsaholics podcast. I'm hoping Max and I can reconvene one time before the end of 2020 so we can kick off or close out this absolutely shitty year with one more show. We'll bring you bids and snubs in that show. A college football playoff preview. The NFL wildcard picture. Basketball. Baseball hot stove talk. And much more. That's what we had to look forward to on the next edition of the Sportsaholics podcast. Hopefully we can bring it to you before the end of this year. Max, yeah. take it away. As you're right, we literally, Sean, have only two more weeks as it is uh, about 6.30 here on Thursday, the 17th of December. And if my calculations, 14 days would put us right there at the 31st of December before we kick off the new year. Sean, that sounds good. Uh, before we wish our fans and listeners a happy one, we'd like to have a moment of closure and reflection. And Sean, this is something you were about to bring up, but I thought it needed to be a little bit discussed for more than a minute what we miss. And that is Major League Baseball is to recognize the Negro Leagues as Major Leagues. Uh, meaning that the stats from the Negro Leagues, uh, from some of the uh, time period, I believe from 1920 to 1948, those stats will be utilized now uh, across the uh, Major League platform, meaning those will be official MLB statistics. Sean, this is long overdue, and obviously we've talked a lot about race relationships this year in particular in 2020. Um, I think this has, again, been long, long, long overdue. And I'm really glad to see that these numbers are going to change. And it's something, Sean, that me and you will definitely make an entire show about, an entire podcast about, really going into depth to, uh, uh, with the changes of these numbers. Obviously, I'll have some great analytics there on the baseball side of that. That will be a absolutely fantastic and interesting show somewhere down the line. But Sean, real quick before we close off, what is your uh, thoughts and opinions on this? All hail the new home run king, Josh Gibson. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I think that As is... said the new, the true home run, run king, king. Yes. Josh Gibson. Yes, I, uh, exactly. Right, exactly. He should be credited with, I believe, somewhere over 800 home runs. Again, we'll have to get... We're going to have to... 800 to 1,000. The numbers vary depending on what stats you look for. Exactly. So that's kind of... And that's one of those things that I'm kind of saying, Sean, I think would be a really fun show to produce, even if we did a whole hour, hour and a half, and we just focused 
And these players, the numbers, and the significance uh, for Major League Baseball and history moving forward. I think it'll be like one kick-ass of a show. Again, we'll probably do that when the off-season talks and NBA, you know, stuff is kind of more on the down wire. And we just kind of need some more juicy content because this will be some juicy content. It'll be fun to see how it all unreals, but long overdue, my friend. I am super excited um, to see this change. Anyways, let's call this a wrap-up for Sean Conway and Max Zucker. We want to wish our listeners a Merry Christmas as we won't be able to podcast next week. Happy Holidays. Again, we'll hopefully see you right before the start of the new year. DJ Cumberbund, thanks for providing uh, your music tonight. Again, you've been listening to the Sportsaholic Podcast right here with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.